0: Morning. Uh, there's two things I want to share with you. One is if you last week got uh, the devotionals that go along with the uh, message, you know, during the series, sometimes Pastor Josh makes up these devotionals and he just makes three of them a week and they're awesome. They're really good. I, I don't know. I, I, got to, I got to grab a hold of this and went through it this past week and in the middle of it I was just like, man, everybody's got to be reading one of these things. So afterwards, when you're done, um, in the back, uh, Matt will be back there handing them out or someone will be back there handing them out. Make sure you get a hold of them. You know, we talk about pursuing God up and in and out and, and that, that like spiritually, prayerfully pursuing him um, in worship and in prayer. But internally, if we want God to transform our hearts, we need the scripture embedded in us. We absolutely have to know the Scripture. And so we listen to the Scripture being taught on Sunday mornings. We get in journey groups and we study it together. But the most essential part of knowing the Scripture is your personal time in the Word. And if you're not really sure how that works or how to go after that, a good way to start is by grabbing one of these things in the back and it just kind of guides you through it, you know. And it's a devotional that will kind of guide you through it. So make sure you get one of them. Now, there's one other thing I want to tell you about, and that's that you know every now and then, at the beginning of a service, we do Sunday morning extras, and that's when we have something going on in the that we have to, we have to do that's kind of, uh, it's details of church and stuff, but it's not necessarily related to the rest of the service. For instance, if we're doing, if we're doing a, a membership class or if we're, if we're having a financial update about something that's going on, something that relates to the life of the body, but not necessarily to the service, we call it our Sunday morning extras, and we come up and talk about that. Um, we're going to have another thing that we rotate through the services called Deep Dives, which are similar but not the same. What this is is when, when a pastor's studying a scripture to teach that week, what ends up happening is, is you're trying to understand, all right, what's the theme of this message? What's the theme of this passage of scripture? And how does it relate to our church? But then all the time something will happen where you'll, we'll be reading and then we'll see something. And it's like, oh, man, there's this other point in here that really would be helpful for us to know but it's completely unrelated to the rest of the message and so every now and then we want to pull that thread and just take a short period at the beginning of the of the service to talk about that so here's the example today's the example you'll see that you can put that deep dive slide up there here's the slide you'll know that's what we're doing when you get this guy going down to i don't know he's exploring some bp thing down there i think or something i don't know but th- what we're, the, this morning we're talking about Joseph, you know we're talking about Joseph, and the story this morning, uh, Josh Hostetter is going to be bringing us a message today, and when he, he's one of the licensed ministers here, and he's going to be talking about the, the family situation, Joseph's family situation, And that's what's going on uh, in, in this story. But in the middle of that, you see all these dreams that Joseph's having. And we thought, you know what? We don't talk much about how God uses dreams. And we need to, we're not going to preach the whole message on dreams, but we need to understand the context of what's happening in this passage. So today we're taking a deep dive into dreams. The, 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 uh, the message of the day is about family and how God works in the midst of family issues and all of that stuff. But, what we're, gonna, but we're taking a deep dive at the beginning here to talk about dreams. So um, Josh is going to come and talk about dreams.
1: Thanks, Tim. If there's one word that really kind of can you, can you hear me? Am I talking into it enough? Okay. If there's one word that really kind of sticks out in the Joseph story, it's the word interpretation. You know, there's six dreams in in the Joseph story. Two that the Pharaoh of Egypt, the greatest ruler in the Middle East at the time, has. There's two that this that, that are given by this uh, cupbearer and this baker. Uh, and you're going to run across these as we move forward, okay? But the first two dreams come from Joseph himself. He has those dreams. Himself. And the interesting thing is all of the other four dreams he's able to interpret. He can just look at them and the pharaoh asks him, okay, what does it mean? And he goes into the pharaoh's court and he says, this is exactly what it means and what he says actually comes true. That's true of the cupbearer and the baker. But when he's 17 or roughly that age, he has two dreams and they're the story of his life and he can never understand them. In fact, he shares them with everybody else in his life, and he says, listen, you guys should know this about me. I'm going to be this great leader or something, and people are going to bow down to me, and you're going to see those in the dreams of today. But, you know, his family doesn't actually buy it, and it turns into a huge amount of crisis and adversity in his life. The, the interesting thing about all this is that God still communicates through spiritual means, okay? You know, you and I, we, we are used to getting our information in certain ways, right? Right? You know when I when I have a problem with one of my appliances I'll look it up online I just google the 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 brand and say okay what goes wrong with this type of refrigerator and when you know that that grinding noise that fridges make when they're about to blow up you know you know, you know and I google it and I say what about my fridge and, the, and and online I see that 30 other people have had that fridge and they've all had the same problem two of them knew how to fix it even you know We're used to looking in boxes for instruction manuals and realizing that that we can turn on a DVD and program it, or a TV player, or a TV player, a television. We can learn how to program it just by reading the instructions, but the people of Joseph's era couldn't do that. And so God communicated through these spiritual means, and I don't think he got done doing that. I think we just got used to being able to be people who read instruction manuals. You know, Thomas Edison, the great inventor, Remember, Thomas Edison invented the light bulb. He used to fall asleep on a chair, not on a bed, but on a chair, and he'd put these pieces of steel in his hands like this. He'd clench his fists, and then he'd put pie tins, like the things you bake a pie in, he'd put them on the floor. And so he'd hold his hands like this with clenched fists like this, and when he'd fall asleep, his hands would unclench, and the the steel would hit the pie tin, make a loud noise, wake him up. And he had a journal right there, and he would write down exactly what he was thinking while he was falling asleep. Why do you think that would be the case? Well, you, that's why he wrote it down. But why, why did Edison's best thoughts came to him when he was just falling asleep? He was relaxed. You know, we live such purposeful, driven lives. And maybe it was not unlike Joseph's life. I don't know. But we live such purposeful, driven lives that God has to get a hold of us where he can And I'd encourage you to think about this story from the standpoint of somebody who's looking for God's will to be realized in your own life. If you're looking for God to do something in your life, how does he communicate to you? Now, dreams are not a sure way to hear the voice of God, okay? I'm not here to tell you that. Your dreams may mean nothing at all. Okay? In fact, the Bible tells us when we're listening to spirits, when we're listening to the Spirit of God, to test the spirits. 1 John chapter 3 tells us that not everything that's spiritual is of God. There's actually evil spirits on this planet as well. But dreams are one way to connect with the Holy Spirit, believe it or not. And factually, there's all sorts of, ex- of examples of this in the Bible where God uses his Holy Spirit to get inside our lives. And frankly, we're so busy that he has to get into our lives when we're not looking. That means that the to-do list, even if it's a spiritual to-do list, might need to be something that we look beyond once in a while and go, okay, God, how are you going to break this mold? You know, when Jesus was a tiny little baby in Bethlehem, these magi from the east showed up. And they showed up, and they had come following a star, and they came to Jerusalem where the religious leaders and the political leaders of the day were, and they met with Herod the Great. And they asked Herod, where is this guy who's supposed to be the prince of Israel? And he asks the right people, and he finds out Bethlehem, and they go there. Now, the interesting thing is Herod wants to kill Jesus, right? If you've read the story of the nativity, you know this. And so the the magi learn in a dream that they're not to go back and tell Herod where Jesus is. And it saves the life of Christ, and Christ actually travels to Egypt and escapes all this just because God communicates through these guys who may not even have been God followers in a dream. All of this just to say that you need and I need to be open to where and how God communicates to us today. He is not a God who doesn't want to be heard from. He is not a God who has gone silent. He is a God who is speaking through the windows and the back doors of our lives, trying to get a hold of our existence. And frankly, we are just too busy most days to hear it. So Joseph's life talks to us about a few different things, but one of them is that God supernaturally communicates, and it's not just to people in 2000 B.C. I believe it's to people like you and me today. God never contradicts his word in one of those dreams. God never negates anything that's written in the Bible, but what he loves to do is give specific examples about how to live, give specific advice and information about how to live well in your time and in your place. God has a plan for your life, and that means that God, if he wants to get his plan done, has to communicate, and he is doing it. Look for him. Look for him to communicate. I'm going to lead us in prayer, and then the praise team is going to come up and lead us in worship. Join me in prayer. God, we thank you because you are not a God who is silent. There is an Old Testament prophet who talks about a time when the people of God walked away from you to this point where you actually went silent, and they said it was the worst famine. They'd been through famines of food. They'd been through famines where it hadn't rained. But the famine where God stopped talking to them was the worst of all. And God, we don't want to be those people. And we easily could become too busy to hear your voice in this church, in our lives, in our families, wherever it might be. And so we ask this morning that you would bless us with the ability to hear your voice. God, you are great, you are good, and your your wisdom is the wisdom we need to live life well. We pray these things in Jesus' name as we go into worship, asking for your spirit to lead us there too. Amen.
0: Now, you remember Josh is one of the licensed ministers um, here, and so we're happy to have him speaking again today.
2: Thanks. All right. By show of hands, raise your hand if you have been or are a part of a family right now. Sweet. So then none of you can say that you um, didn't get anything from this message, because it's about families, and seeing as you're all part of one, you will be able to bring stuff this morning and um, hopefully walk away with something as well. So... How many of you are familiar with the story of uh, Joseph and the uh, colored coat, right? It's a pretty, pretty common story, right? We often hear this a lot um, in like Sunday school, elementary age, growing up. Uh, maybe it was part of a VBS program at some point that you've gone through, right? And probably, right, if you remember that story, if you think back to what the teacher focused on, it was probably more like like the facts of the story, right? It was about like, You know, there's Joseph and he is the son of Jacob and, you know, God chose him and he had these dreams. And um, Jacob loved him so much that he gave him this coat. You know, it's it's great, right? It's all a part of the story, but it's very, like, concrete things, right? We learn that God used Joseph, right? And that's not far from the, the story that you're going to hear today. But just like as we get older in life, right? we, you know, as you get older and you're maybe you're in your junior high, senior high, we start to learn about Jesus' teachings, about the parables and the beatitudes and things that take a little bit more thought and a little bit more um, introspection, thinking through it. And so hopefully today we'll, we'll have that approach to Joseph as well. You know, that as we go through the story, that you begin to really think and you ponder, you know, because scripture doesn't necessarily um, tell us exactly right, how Joseph felt. It doesn't necessarily tell us exactly how his brothers treated him all the time. right. So there's some space for our imaginations to really take over and to really begin to, to picture this and to imagine what this story, what this event actually could have looked like. So you all raise your hands in the beginning, right? Because you identify that you have been a part of a family. Now, I don't know about your families, but in my family, we had spoken rules. These were the way that we function, you know? So um, it wasn't until middle school that my parents allowed me and my siblings, you know, to ride our bikes the mile down the road to Meadowbrook Farms and get ice cream, you know? And like, let me tell you, that was great. Looked forward to that day all the time. And then... Took probably too much. Uh, took advantage of that privilege and went quite often. But it was good. Um, and then there were other rules, like my sisters. Right at age thirteen, they were able to get their ears pierced, and so they would wait till thirteen and get their ears pierced. Then, as you know, as you got older, like in high school, you know, then I was able to stay up late, and and uh, my parents then was you know allowed me to watch Saturday Night Live on Saturday nights, as long as I could get up for church the next morning. It was all good, and um, and they. These were all spoken rules, right? These are all rules that come out of conversation. They come out of the relationship that we have with our parents. And maybe now as parents, you see that you're implementing these kind of rules in your kids' lives. You know, you're know, you setting parameters, you're setting boundaries, and you're saying this is how we function as a family. But then there's also unspoken rules, right? There's rules that we learn from our parents. There's rules that we learn from our siblings that they're never spoken, but they're just kind of, understood you know like if you have a sibling and they go into a room and they shut the door it's understood that you should not knock repeatedly until they scream at you you know like it's understood they want to be alone you know um maybe you know like for for me I remember like my dad coming home after after preaching on Sundays you know it was like okay be quiet and leave dad alone because he's tired you know he just preached the whole morning and uh he just wants to rest and relax because chances are he's got something he's going back out for, you know, that night. Um, and it, it was never a spoken rule, but it was, it was just something that your family learns, you know, and, and you, you kind of do these things. And you recognize that maybe if you think about it, if you're thinking about, ah, oh, what are some of these rules in my family, you might recognize that not only are they implemented in your family, but that's because how, maybe how it was um, when you were growing up. Maybe your parents had this unspoken rule and it got... Created then in your family that you are now a part of. And sometimes these rules are simply that, right? They're just simply, you know, when the door shut, you leave them alone, things like that. But then there can be negative unspoken rules as well. So maybe dad comes home, you know, and he goes to the fridge and he pulls out a drink. And you know that when dad drinks, he gets mad. And so you go to your room because you know that if I mess with dad, it's going to be a bad scene. It's never said, right? Dad never said, hey, look, I'm going to get mad because I'm drinking right now and then I'm going to yell at you because that's what I do. It's never said that, right? But you just know and we learn these things, you know? We learn that, you know, when maybe mom and dad fight, mom storms out the house. It's learned that, you know, we step back and we just we don't do anything you know and and we just trust that mom will come back you know there's these rules that happen and they can be good and they can be bad but they also can be changed and they don't necessarily have to continue to exist so a rule could become a good rule could become bad right so if we look at the scenario with Joseph and Jacob. Was it wrong that Jacob loved his son Joseph? No, not at all. Every good parent should love their son or daughter, right? Jacob loved Joseph. But what happened was that he decided to love him and show favoritism above all the other sons. And so a good rule became bad. So if you will turn to Genesis 37, and we'll pick it up at verse 2 and read through verse 11. And this is probably a big part of the story that we heard growing up as well. Verse 2 says, This is the account of Jacob. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers the sons of Bilha and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons, because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made a richly ornamented robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, Listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright, while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brothers said to him, Do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream, and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream, and this time the sun and moon and eleven stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father, as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. And so if we look back at verses 3 and 4, right, we see this family dynamic being played out. Joseph loves Jacob, right, and shows that love more to Joseph than any other son. And because the brothers see this, right, it quickly becomes this unspoken rule that Joseph is the favored son. Joseph is the one who gets all of dad's attention, gets all of dad's um, extra. My guess is that, you know, Joseph, when he comes down to sit at the table, he's sitting at the right hand of Jacob. You know, he's the guy that matters most, and it's made very clear. And so what are the responses of the brothers, right? They They become bitter. They become angry. Think back to a time in your life, right? Maybe there was um, a situation where a sibling or um, someone in your family got to do something that you wanted to do. How does that make you feel? You know, How do you feel towards the person who's getting what you want? How does it feel to have your parents say it's okay for one child and not the other? My guess is that you know, it probably brings up some really similar feelings that maybe these brothers were going through. Maybe you felt a little jealous at some time in your life. Maybe you felt a little angry. Maybe you felt like they weren't focusing on you or treating you like you were special. See, favoritism, right, when it comes down to it, it, is just not... It's not a good thing, right? Often it's viewed in this negative light. I don't know how many of you guys um, watch TV frequently, but um, you might have come across the commercial from Ally Bank. Um, and it's it's a commercial where they have the guy, and he's in the suit. He's, um, the one in particular is, he's sitting at a table with two girls. And he asks the one girl, he's like, would you like a pony? And she says... Yes, and so he gets into his pocket and he pulls out this like little toy pony. And then he says to the other girl, "You know, would you like a pony?" And she says, "Yes, that'd be nice, you know And so he goes, "And here comes this live pony trotting up to her. And the girl with the toy pony looks at hers and is just like, "Well, this isn't cool anymore, you know?" And she says to the guy, "You didn't tell me that I could have a live pony, a real pony." And he's like, well, you didn't ask. And then she kind of like gives him this like mean look like, how cruel can you really be, you know? Um, And then the commercial goes on to say, right, it says like how it makes a statement of like even kids know when they're being treated unfairly, right? And they know, they see this, you know? And as we get older, it doesn't go away, right? We know when we're being treated unfairly. Because there's a part of us that recognizes that, you know what, I'm somebody and I deserve to be treated like that somebody. And when somebody doesn't treat us that way, doesn't treat us how we feel we should be respected, it makes us feel bad. It hurts, you know? And that's probably where the brothers were, right? Like they wanted to be loved the same way that Joseph was being loved. They wanted to have the attention of their father, the same way Joseph had the attention of their father. So the question, though, comes, right? Because right now it looks like Jacob was misguided, right? Or that Jacob was doing something he shouldn't have been doing. And chances are, he was, right? So the question is, did Jacob recognize, though, that Joseph was the one that God wanted to continue his line through, or was Jacob honestly showing favoritism because he thought Joseph was the best son, because Joseph was born in his old age, because Joseph was born to Rachel, his favored wife. So did he maybe love Joseph more because of those reasons? Or do you think he actually understood what God was doing? Well, if we look further into Jacob, right, it brings us back. And it makes us look at his parents and the parents before that. Because like we were talking about earlier with these unspoken rules, right, they often become generational. They get passed down. Even the spoken rules get passed down. So the healthy parts of our family get passed down to the other parts, of our, to the next generation, as well as the unhealthy parts of a family. And so we look all the way back, right? We start with Abraham. Because it's, it's with Abraham that we have the Abrahamic covenant, where God promises Abraham that he's going to make him a great nation, he's going to give him great wealth and land and protection. And it begins with Abraham, right? And God chooses him. And Abraham seeks to be faithful, but he's not perfect, right? And messes up, and he gets a little impatient, and he goes and sleeps with his wife's servant and has Ishmael. And so all of a sudden Ishmael now is getting treated, right, like the honored son, until they learn that it's not Ishmael. It's going to be the son born, birth from Sarah. And so Isaac comes along. And there's such a rift that happens, right? Because now Isaac is the honored son. Isaac gets all the attention that Ishmael ends up totally leaving the family. Isaac grows up and he has his family, right? He has Jacob and Esau. Well, generationally speaking, Esau is the one who gets the birthright. Esau is the one who gets um, the blessing. But because Jacob was favored by his mom, she encourages him to deceive Isaac, right? And it ends up that Jacob gets the blessing. Jacob gets the birthright. And what does he have to do? He ends up fleeing. Jacob grows up and he has 12 sons and he ends up showing favoritism to Joseph and so we see that this this line right continues this unhealthy interaction between parent and son continues and it keeps going And Joseph, now, has the choice, right, whether or not to continue that journey, continue this pattern in his family or not. But before we go that far, right, we got to look at what God is doing, right? Because God chooses each one of those individuals. God chose I, Abraham, God chose Isaac, God chose Jacob, and now we'll, we're seeing that God is choosing Joseph. And he confirms this in each one of them by the dreams. Remember earlier, Josh was talking about these dreams, right? And it's these dreams that confirm that God is going to follow through with this covenant of, of land and a nation and blessing through these individuals. And it makes you think, right? Because here we have this whole family that God chose. But yet, throughout the whole process, it's been marred. It's been um, screwed around with, right? By this favoritism, by deceit, by trying to do it on their own. And yet, God still stays with them. God still uses them. He still continues to be faithful to his word to Abraham, to his commitment to the covenant that he made. So if we go back to Joseph, right? He's the one that God is now choosing to continue to pursue his people with and to pursue his people through. He's probably this punk kid, right, who knows he's daddy's favorite, so he acts like it. Running home, tattling on his brothers. I mean, I don't know about you guys who have had younger siblings, but I hated it when my younger siblings told on me. You know, like, dude, like, mind your own business, right? And so, like, I mean, this was probably happening back then, right? It says... Scripture says he came back and told on his brothers. But yet he has these dreams. And for some reason, God chose him, and God is going to continue to work through him. So, when it comes down to it, right, God works even in dysfunctional families. So if we think about where we're at, you know, about where you're at, about your relationships with your family. You can think about the things that you love about your family. And you can think about the things that you don't like about your family. And you can think about who you are within that family dynamic. We talk about, you know, the oldest is always the one who gets the most attention, right? Because for a while, they're the only ones there. And then there's the middle child, and we have the middle child syndrome, and they always feel like they're missed. And then we have the youngest child, and we have, you know, they're the ones that are always babied and spoiled rotten, right? And these are stereotypes not for uh, a purpose, right? I mean, they're stereotypes that come from a purpose, you know? A bunch of guys are already pointing at people, you know, and like, yep, that's them, (laughs) you know? Because this this is reality. This is family dynamics, you know? This is what comes out in our family. But where it goes wrong is when we start to believe that God can't use us despite what has happened in our family. I had a kid come in to me the other, uh, the other day at work. And this kid, I've seen him a couple times, and he just, he just balls every time he's in my office. And I mean, like, seriously, the kid went through like a whole box of tissues. Like he's just like pouring his heart out. And it's because of his family. You know, it's because that through his whole struggle with his addiction, instead of his mom helping him, when he goes to her asking for help, she calls the police. You know, when when he goes to her and he says, Mom, I just need some money so I can get help, so I can pay my counseling, she calls his PO his probation officer, to report that. I don't know why my son doesn't have any money, but, you know, maybe he's doing something. You should, like, drug test him. You know, like, she... I don't know where she's at, you know, but, like, he wants to be loved by his mom. He wants to be helped by his mom, and it's just not working. And he sits there in my office, and he says, I'm so screwed up. Because of my family. He's like, I can't even tell you how much it hurts what has happened in my family because all I want is my family to love one another. And he talks about how he's working with his brother and how his brother um, has a heart condition. And, you know, he's always afraid that he's going to lose his brother. And, and his brother's the only family that he's got right now. But yet he's working with his brother and his brother's just annoying him because he doesn't clean up the paint the way he wants or he doesn't like, do this project the way he needs it to be done. and you know He gets frustrated, but yet then he feels guilty because he just loves his brother and he doesn't want to lose the relationship that he has. And he just talks about how screwed up he feels and how he doesn't even think that he'll be able to overcome his family situation and be successful in life. He doesn't think that he's going to be able to overcome his drug addiction and that it's just going to entrap him for the rest of his life. And unfortunately, I don't know if he's been at a place where he had the confidence or had this um, forward thinking like Joseph. You know, Joseph had the dreams But I can guarantee you that when Joseph was thrown into that hole, when Joseph was sold to the merchants, when he saw his colored robe cut and bloodied, I don't think he thought it was okay. I don't think he he thought that it's going to be fine. I think he was scared for his life. I think he feared what was going to happen to him. And I don't, no, if he was calling out to God, saying that, I know you got this because, you know, I ha- I had those dreams, I think he was calling out to God, like, spare me, save me, like, be with me in this moment. And when we're living it, our lives stuck, right, by the dysfunction of our families or the the hurt of relationships with our siblings or parents, it keeps us from moving forward. It keeps us from listening to what God is trying to do in our lives. Maybe for you, your experiences haven't been as drastic as the gentleman I was sharing to you, with you about. Maybe it's just a fight that you had with a sibling and you guys haven't talked in years. Maybe it's just a simple, you know, sibling rivalry where, you know, you and your, your sister or your brother are always competing at the same things. And maybe you think that they always win or they are actually better than you. And you think that. And so you end up putting yourself down, right? But those things... they're part of life. You know, on some level, we're going to have to process through those things. You know, I I say my family right now is, is really good. Like, I love my family and we get along really well. All of us do. But it doesn't mean that we haven't gone through things. It doesn't mean that we still struggle with how we interact and how we relate to one another. And what we see in Joseph is that God continues to use his people despite how messed up they may seem despite how messed up you might feel your family is at times despite how messed up you might feel you are at some times God still works, and he can use that to help you be stronger. He can use that to help you grow closer to him, and he wants to use that. He wants to show you that he loves you. He wants to show you that you have a purpose in his plan for this life. So as we keep walking in this story with Joseph allow yourself to be broken so that as we continue to journey you can be restored just as Joseph is restored. Should pray with me.